Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Today, we're going to be having one of those conversations that whilst we think it's important and want to share our points of view from both science in our guest case and personal experience from mine, is bound to rub people up the wrong way, namely vegans or people on plant-based diets. So before we start, let me be clear with the first caveat. I would not be the co-founder of Heights or on this journey myself had I not fallen in love with the idea of Veganuary and their brilliant work about four years ago and decided in February to keep my journey going, becoming fully vegan for what I thought would be forever. But my struggles with mental health developed around the time the next Veganuary cycle came about, with chronic anxiety worsening and suddenly insomnia for six months that I tried everything to shake until I had a chance dinner with a friend who told me about the brain and nutrition and suggested I see a dietitian, something that sadly my doctors had neglected to recommend at all, opting for sleeping pills and anxiety medication, which I refused to take, knowing it wasn't really the cure. And so, my journey to the NHS led to a dietitian who told me it was probably my diet and that, in fact, she'd seen a huge increase in mental health cases from people on vegan, vegetarian and indeed flexitarian diets that could easily be solved with supplements, something that sadly the vegan and plant-based market felt reticent to suggest at all. Bizarrely, supplements felt like a dirty word, even plant-based ones that will help cover your bases and ensure you avoid the depths of health issues that I faced. Well, here we are again at Veganuary, in January of course, something I respect and I think they're a brilliant organisation, and yet, reading through their guide, once again, it doesn't mention supplements at all. And instead, they suggest that if you eat a whole range of unlikely and rather niche seeds, we're unlikely to get into the habit of eating because we're not rabbits, we can avoid the need to supplement because no doubt we'll be busy eating our kilo of flax seeds every day, which would leave no room for anything else, but that seems to be casually ignored. Anyway, luckily, I recovered by taking some simple professional medical advice, and I took the supplements I was prescribed. I recovered quickly, and I became obsessed with the science of nutrition and supplements for overcoming mental health problems and for optimizing your mental performance, which, of course, along with my co-founder Joel, led to starting Heights. And indeed, the pleasure of meeting many of the experts on this podcast and building a company I care so much about. I was indeed lucky but I would prefer others to approach extreme yet meaningful changes to their diet with the right amount of caution and common sense, knowing what I know now, it's my job I feel to share this important message. So that's the personal story of why I think we need to talk about this so honestly. Now to discuss whether this experience is in fact surprising or not, and the science behind it, is one of the UK's most respected and leading dietitians, Sophie Medlin, as we discuss plant-based diets and mental health. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I guess first question, really obvious one, is do vegans need to supplement for their mental health? 
Yeah, absolutely. Vegans need to be recommended supplementation for their physical and mental health. So very important message to get across and one that, uh, like you, I've really recognised that the vegan community has been reticent to to support, which to me uh, seems a madness when what actually happens is that so many people have to revert from veganism to uh, back to an omnivorous diet, even though it might not feel ethically or, or emotionally right for them to do so. I think you make a really great point that actually for me, by the time I had to move back, it's before I moved from vegan to vegetarian, it's not crazy, but but by the time you've done that, you've kind of you're you're over it, right? You're over you're over the whole hurdle. I mean the first three months is kind of miserable, and then suddenly you're super into it and it's quite easy to have a vegan diet. And so it's quite disappointing to need medically to move back from it. And also surprising because no one talks about that at all. So supplementation was important, but actually if I'd probably have just known to take supplements at the time of starting, I might still be fully vegan and be able to just carry on that way. So I think that's one of the downsides of just not addressing it whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, in their defence, in the defence of the community, there isn't good evidence. There isn't strong evidence to support this is what we should be doing. And a lot of the work that I do, particularly in this in this very niche that we're talking about, is to say, well, we know that people who are on a plant-based diet are getting less let's say B vitamins, and we know that they get these symptoms which are associated with B vitamin deficiency, and therefore it's very likely that these symptoms are due to this. But we are, you know, we are doing one plus one equals two, as opposed to saying we know this is for sure the right thing to do. And I think that's where, for want of a better phrase, the vegan community get away with not saying that you must supplement and and not pushing that message more strongly. Yeah, and I think one of the other things as well is not everyone will have these symptoms. As in, I didn't expect to have any mental health problems and I'd never heard about it. Yet when I went into the clinic, and this is obviously a qualified professional that's recommended to by the NHS, uh, she had heard of this regularly, saw this was a thing in, in her clinic happening more frequently. But again, not something that just happens to everyone. So it's, you know, like you say, it's it's not a guaranteed thing to happen. But my personal point of view is, with brain care, why would you risk any of it? Like it's, it's, you are clearly missing certain nutrients. So why not fill that gap? Yeah. And I mean, obviously I completely agree. And I think that we really need to take some, well, the vegan community, in my opinion, needs to take some responsibility for some of this stuff and say, if you notice any of these symptoms, then do this straight away. Don't wait. You know, I've heard horror stories for, you know, realistically of of friends of mine who work within the vegan community and people turning up with hair falling out and sores in their mouth and around their lips, which are very obvious signs of nutritional deficiencies. And then being told, oh, you just need to do this, you just need to do that. We've heard about women's periods stopping because of their veganism and then being told that that's a good sign, that that means their body's cleansing itself. They don't need to have a period anymore because their veganism has made them more pure. These are the kinds of vitriolic messages that come come along in the vegan community, unfortunately, that really there needs to be some responsibility taken for and some really strong evidence-based messages to, to really, again, support people to be able to maintain a healthy vegan diet and be great advocates for their community and their cause. Yeah, I think that's it. I think the, the problem sometimes is, understandably, of course, but the veganism concept has become politicised, whereas nutrition is a science. So it isn't about opinion. But a lot of people will be like me, which is choosing increasingly, fortunately, thank God, choosing to reduce meat consumption from their diet, choosing to change their diet because of the impact on the environment. 
that should not come at the cost of your mental health or physical health. And actually, it doesn't need to. Again, this is the whole point with supplements, you can actually mitigate that whole issue. Yeah, for sure. And you know, with good quality supplementation, the support is there and people can feel better and feel well. And, and that's, you know, we all want to see for the future of our planet and everything else, we all want to see lots of really healthy vegans walking around. The sort of uh, previous thoughts about vegans would have been that everyone's pale and sickly and weak and, you know, no muscles and anemic and everything else. And it doesn't have to be that way. But as long as the vegan community don't support the messages of supplementation, that will continue to be a stereotype of a vegan. So we do need to change that. My symptoms started with anxiety and then became insomnia and then the two sort of fed into each other. Um, and the thing that I started to get before then that I sort of brushed off was brain fog. You know, I talked about it at the time, but I'm not very famous. But recently, obviously, Miley Cyrus, you know, did go on Joe Rogan and talked about her experience being vegan, getting brain fog and being recommended supplements and to come off come off the diet for that exact reason. What is that about? What like Is being vegan and brain fog a thing scientifically? What's going on? I mean, the problem with brain fog is it's not a diagnosable or diagnosed medical term. So in that sense, it's a really great example of a symptom that we recognise as being extremely common on vegan diets, but which isn't something we can pinpoint to anything in particular. What we're in a position of is people presenting with this really common complaint and us saying, well, it's very likely to be some of these nutrients that you're missing. And again, as a practitioner who works in this world, when patients come and say, I've got brain fog and I do offer them supplementation solutions or dietary solutions and they get better, we can have a good stab at thinking it almost certainly is some of those things. And the top two things on my list that I would suggest that's linked to is B vitamins, which are essential for the sort of rate of communication of messages within the brain. So how quickly we can pass information from one cell to another within our brains and within our nervous system. And secondly, the omega-3s. So really important to note that on 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 a completely vegan diet, aside from algae oil, there isn't any vegan source of DHA and EPA, which are the two fractions of omega-3s that we really need for optimum brain function. So in an optimum environment, 25% of our brain would be made from DHA, which is one fraction of omega-3 and one that you can't get from plants at all. But what happens when we're on a a vegan diet and we take that out, or even if you're just not eating enough oily fish, is that your brain will maintain its structure, but it's a bit like taking 25% of the bricks of your house out and replacing them with polystyrene. It still looks roughly the same, but as soon as there's a storm or something bad happens, it's just not going to work as well. It's just not safe and it's not a good structure. And what I notice when I'm working with patients who who struggle with this is that when we do supplement with omega-3s and we do supplement with B vitamins, that brain function really restarts. And the story that Miley Cyrus shares is the same as the story that uh, I think it's Anne Hathaway shared, where having a piece of fish felt like their brain was rebooting and refiring. And, and that's a really interesting story and an anecdote that I hear repeatedly in my clinical practice and one that certainly doesn't surprise me, being as fish is full of B vitamins, very bioavailable B vitamins and the essential omega-3 fatty acids. And of course, one of the most common rebuttals that you always hear in like Veganuary have said this themselves in their in their guide, which is, you know, you can get omega-3s from plant-based sources. And 
no one is really nerdy enough to know the difference, right? Totally. So you, omega-3s are called threes because there's three fractions of them. There's EPA and DHA, which are the useful ones. And then there's ALA, which on its own is not useful at all. So if we want to use ALA, we need to convert it into EPA and DHA. And most of us are really inefficient at that process. So it doesn't matter how many flaxseeds you eat, how much rapeseed oil you have, whatever those things you're trying to do on a vegan diet, most of us are, are not ever going to be able to convert enough ALA into EPA and DHA. And that means that you're just having a lot of extra fat in your diet that's not doing you any particular good at all. And a lot of that is genetically predetermined, which I think is really interesting and may well in the future help us to explain why some people do quite well on a vegan diet and don't necessarily feel these side effects so quickly and other people feel them much, much more quickly. And I think that probably comes down to, you know, our genetic heritage of how much animal products we are, we're designed really, I guess, genetically to have in our diet. And in your experience as a scientific medical professional, if you're choosing to do veganuary, going vegan, vegetarian, even flexitarian, how important is supplementation for those use cases? Oh, hugely important. And, and, you know, I would say if you're just going to do it for January, you'll probably be okay. You will inevitably deplete some of your essential nutrients. But for most people, just for a month, you'll get away with it. But if you are going to extend it or you want to feel optimally well for that month and you don't want to have a sort of hangover effect and, and lose some concentration and focus, obviously supplementation is absolutely the answer and will support you probably to continue with your efforts if that's what you choose to do. Most of us would rather more people ate less meat than trying to convert the very small amount that will go completely meat-free and become vegan. That's much more challenging. And at the end of the day, if more of us are trying to cut out as much meat and fish and dairy and everything else as humanly possible, then we will be deficient for longer periods of time, which means that we will need to supplement. Otherwise, sadly, you're going to end up like I did. Obviously, my tail ends positively because here I am talking to you and really enjoying my life learning about brain care. But, you know, I went through a year of suffering and it was totally not worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and whenever we identify ourselves by our diet, we're no longer going to be listening to our body. We're not going to be thinking, oh, maybe this isn't making me feel as well. Maybe my paleo diet is making me really constipated. Maybe this isn't doesn't suit me. Veganism and women is a great example. Maybe in a few days of the month, women following their menstrual period, their period would benefit from having some red meat just to top themselves up. But if you identify so heavily by your diet, you're not going to allow yourself that flexibility. You're putting these really rigid rules in place for yourself. And that, you know, that is a dangerous game to play. So in summary, I think it's fair to say if you are starting your journey with, ever, with any of these diets, try and listen to the science, try and have some space and understanding that we all have different points of view. And uh, most importantly, make sure that you're looking after your mental health and actually ensuring that if you are limiting something that you would otherwise be getting from a more regular mainstream diet choice, then at least your research and fill in the gaps with the right kind of supplements, whatever they might be, depending on that diet. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Any other wise final words from you? I don't know why I was trying to give the medical diet, diet, diet friendly advice. It sounds much better coming from you. So you go. If you are 
choosing to follow a vegan diet in the long term or even in the short term, supplementation is really, really important, not just for your mental health, but also for your physical health. We've recently had some really interesting data coming through about fracture risk. So risk of broken bones uh, in the vegan population because of low calcium intake, but also low vitamin D intake and vitamin K and everything else, that matrix of nutrients that makes our bones strong. We just can't match the benefits that we get from animal proteins in terms of things like fracture risk. But also, you know, iodine is essential for good thyroid function which is essential for good fertility there's vitamin D, we've talked about vitamin d but there's zinc and everything else there's lots of the real matrix of nutrients that we lose when we cut animal products out of our diet and it's really essential that we replace them not again not just for our mental health which we have really focused on here but also for our physical health and our long-term health and a lot of these things you won't know about until it's too late and i think that that's something that i feel very passionately about preventing and that's why I've always had this very strong supplementation message because I know it's a ticking time bomb and that lots of people are going to be suffering if we don't speak out as healthcare professionals and support people to make the best choices. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain on a plant-based diet and what nutrients you might be missing, head to yourheights.com forward slash plant-based to get your score from one to a hundred. See you next week.